breaking news thing here. Minor um, breaking news. Minor breaking news. Well, it's a tweet. <laughs> Actually, we got half a hee-haw. We've been working on that for like a month. Training Brandon. Yeah, yeah. he's nice. getting, he's, here's your carrot. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> it's a tweet. Good boy. Good boy. <laughs> it's a tweet from the Sacramento Bee, which is a newspaper in the capital of California, this nation's biggest state. Hmm. Uh, California paid $25 million to settle 92 sexual harassment claims in the last three years. What do you mean California paid? California doesn't have money. Taxpayers paid $25 million. 92 sexual harassment claims in the last three years. They settled 92 sexual harassment claims. How many, you know, did they not settle? That people came forward and they weren't able to get, you know, the heft to get any money out of it. Or they're in the process of settling right now. 92 in three years. $25 million. That's a pretty big number. Yeah. Given the number we've been hearing out of the federal government, right, which is over like million. twenty years, is that like uh, the 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 entire state government apparatus or the legislature? Do we know? Or uh, I'm just now going through the article. Well, it's, it's breaking news. Yeah, yeah, yeah he mentioned that includes prison guards and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but, different uh, yeah. different things. Uh, uh, st- universities, state state school stuff. Things but that they, yeah. still, you got the problem of so somebody's perving on somebody, usually a dude on a woman. Um, and or it, not. And it gets settled and stays behind closed doors and you get to keep your job and I'm paying I'm paying the person right. to keep their mouths shut. Well, it's bad if there's perving going on for that reason, quite correct. And it's bad if there's not because you know here's what happens if you're not hip to this. A lot of you are, I know, but some of you aren't. We've seen it happen half a dozen times around here. Uh, somebody makes some wild ridiculous claim. Everybody who's worked with them for the last 5 years is guffawing about how a patently flimsily false they are, you know? Uh, but the company or a company or your company writes a check for 15 grand to make it go away because it'll cost 25, 30 grand to litigate. Now, the state of California doesn't give a flying flip about taxpayer money. I mean, that's been illustrated over and over again. So, how quickly do they settle phony suits? How about at the federal level, that story that came out over the weekend that was a guy on the ethics committee? That settled a suit at great expense. It was one of your really big checks. He'd sexually harassed some woman and come to a deal. Yeah. He's on the ethics committee and was able to keep it quiet and pay somebody off with taxpayer money. Now, that's a sweet gig. Yeah, we talked about that when you were on your deathbed. <laughs> that's yeah, nice. a sweet gig. You know, it seems to me we should probably settle this with taxpayer money. <laughs> right. Beautiful. Super. Your well, government at work. One more quick thing to mention. I saw this last night. We mocked this, I believe, several years ago. They say text neck is a real thing. It's an actual medical issue suffered by people all across the country. It's got something to do with hanging our head. You're, the average human head weighs between 10 and 12 pounds. You're, Thank you. You're probably a 15. <laughs> Sean, you might be a 20. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm certainly good for 12 to 15. Uh-huh. But uh, I'm, uh, uh, the average human head, and when you, you we, we're bending them down more often. Than, we mocked this. It sounds mockable, mockable to me right now. I'm about to. <laughs> Do you think we're actually tilting our head down more than we used to in human history? Sure. And causing our our necks and spines to go out of whack? Well, I think we were probably doing other things during the rest of human history, from bending over some workbench to, you know, keeping our eye out for an antelope. If you go way back that far, though, everybody died at 40, so I'm not sure that's an argument. Right. Yeah. So I'm not, um, I'm not making an argument. <laughs> it's, it's an observation. I just wonder: are, are are more people actually having neck and back problems because of staring at their smartphone, um, 
than we had 15 years ago when you didn't have smartphones. I find it hard to believe. Wouldn't, weren't, weren't people looking at books, reading magazines? I did a lot of not reading nearly books. nearly so much. Not omnipresent. Not every moment. We were talking about this only moments ago. I mean, people, you know. Text neck, it's called. Well, that sounds terrible. It's got to have a rhyming name. Must be very painful. Or alliteration. Right. Yeah. Like what if the you're, Schumer shutdown. What if you're sexting while you're doing this? Then you get sext neck. Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> and if you're sexting a coworker. Oh, oh no. It's sextnextual harassment. Hashtag me too sext neck. <laughs> That's what you've got going on there. All three of them at once. Wow. Wow, when's the march? (laughs) It's an actual medical issue. Countless people across the... Well, count them. Countless people across the country. (laughs) They're only countless because you didn't bother to count. They keep moving around real fast. Honey, there are countless garbage bags in the garage that I really ought to take out. One, two... There are three. (laughs) So at the very least, if this is true, and I'm not sure I'm buying it, Mm. but if this is true... um. Suppose you should hold your phone up like at eye level to keep your head straight when you're walking around using it, right? Instead right. Of bending over? Absolutely. Or have some sort of harness and stand apparatus oh, yeah. to hold it in front of sure. you like you're in a marching band. <laughs> you do that. Right. <laughs> it would mount on your shoulders and have bars going out, then your phone would be right there about a foot and a half in front of your face. If you turned, your phone turns. It'd be very handy. Let's uh, remember the glass holes, <laughs> the Google Glass. Yeah, that was kind of the idea, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that that that's a real argument for the glass hole thing. Mm. Uh, the glasses, the Google Glass. Yeah. yeah. So you'd see all your stuff in a screen in your eyes, and you wouldn't be bending your head and suffering from text neck. What if you need reading glasses? What happens then? I mean, if it's if it's on your glasses, the the print. I mean, is it like in a real big font, or how does that work? Can you focus uh, on it? Would it be similar to the way you look through a tel- uh, you know, you look through a binoculars? You can need yeah. glasses and look through binoculars, and you just focus it for you. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, yeah I suppose they'll figure that out. They're oh, we got We're gonna take tech guys are really smart. I'm gonna try to walk the halls from now on with my phone held up here. Good idea. Or get, idea. or get one of those holder things that you were just talking about. Because the old stuff we've always mocked you for was, you know, getting tired. So a new mockery. Need a new good. thing. Plus, speaking of mockery, my scathing indictment of the Grammys through the years. Their idiotic nominees and non-nominees that are winners and who should have won. I can tell you who's up for album of the year. Maybe we'll play a little bit of all those. I've heard some of them, not all of them. You got your Jay-Z, you got your Bruno Mars, etc. Lord. Oh, Lord. She's really good. I like Lord. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit coming up next about this whole, did, did Trump, um, did he have a, a full head of steam for firing Mueller back in the summertime? That would have been quite the political story. Fake news. Woo. Stay tuned. We'll see what the sourcing is on that story, for one thing, because the, the president says it's fake. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is Armstrong and Getty. The Voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Now tonight, for example, they're trying to change the story. At this hour, the New York Times is trying to distract you. They have a story that Trump wanted Mueller fired sometime last June, and our sources, and I've checked in with many of them, they're not confirming that tonight. 
and the president's attorney dismissed the story and says, no, no comment, we're not going there. And how many times has the New York Times and others gotten it wrong? All right, so we have sources tonight just confirming to Ed Henry that, yeah, maybe Donald Trump wanted to fire the special counsel for conflict. Does he not have the right to raise those questions? You know, we'll deal with this tomorrow night. We have a shocking video of the day to bring you, by the way. This footage comes to us from Arizona <laughs> where you see that red SUV, okay, high-speed right, police chase. Of that. <laughs> so Sean Hannity goes from never happened, fake right. news, to, oh, it looks like it did happen. Anyway, here's a car chase. <laughs> um, That's beautiful. But uh, that's interesting. When Sean Handy, who's, who's a big-time Trump supporter, says, okay, our sources are saying Trump was looking at perhaps getting rid of Mueller. The headline, Trump moved to fire Mueller in June, bringing White House counsel to the brink of leaving. The piece in the Washington Post, co-written by Rosalind Helderman, who joins us now. Ms. Helderman, thanks a million for uh, being here. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. It's our pleasure. So uh, the president evidently was pretty fired up about Mueller at some point. Uh, why and what happened? Yeah, uh, I think we have known for some time that he did not like Mueller, that he did not like this probe. But uh, there's sort of a long list of times when people around him have been asked, has he ever asked for Mueller to be fired? Has he ever actually tried to take a step to remove Mueller? And again and again, they have said that he did not. Um, what we now know is that that's not true, that in June, he, in fact, ordered that Mueller be fired. Um, he wanted him gone. He decided to take that step. Uh, but he was ultimately sort of talked back from the ledge uh, by his own staff, a sort of concerted intervention effort, uh, including um, some some variety of resignation threat that was advanced by the White House counsel, Don McGahn. Now, he Trump uh, had several reasons why he thought he he was uh, within his rights to get rid of Mueller, um, going back to some of the history uh, they've had throughout their lives, correct? Well, that's right. I mean, to start with, he did not like Mueller and did not like this probe. He was extremely opposed to his appointment from the start. He did not want this to happen. Uh, But what happened was Mueller was appointed in May, and very quickly people around Trump, including his legal team, started digging for reasons they could cite to have him removed. Uh, Under the regulations appointing the special counsel, uh, one of the only reasons the special counsel can be removed is if he has a conflict of interest. So they went looking for reasons that uh, Bob Mueller had a conflict of interest. And and they found several that they thought they could advance and the president was taken with them. Uh, One was that there had been some variety of dispute over uh, membership fees uh, when apparently Bob Mueller had at one point belonged to the Trump owned golf course in northern Virginia. Uh, There was also a discussion about the fact that uh, Mueller had recently been employed at the law firm that was now representing Jared Kushner. and, uh, and of course, there was a lot of discussion about how people that Mueller was hiring had donated to Hillary Clinton. So they were all these things were swirling um, and were things that the president thought could be cited to do what he really wanted to do anyway, which was to remove Mueller. How did that golf thing turn out? Do you yeah, know? Well, well, wait a second. I have a bone to pick with your piece, Rosalind. You seem to really soft pedal the golf dues controversy. <laughs> and as a golfer, I think that was really irresponsible. That's some serious stuff. Well, who won the golf battle? <laughs> So um, the, th- the thing about it is we, we were actually the first to report that the White House had circulated this idea way back over the summer. And we did a little reporting uh, about this uh, and discovered that while Trump seemed to believe there was some kind of dispute he could hold over Mueller's head, there wasn't really much of a dispute. Um, what we understand is that uh, he, uh, Bob Mueller had been a member of the club. Uh, he then decided to leave the club and he sent uh, a letter 
requesting a refund to his dues, which apparently was fairly standard practice that when you left the club, I think, you know, it, uh, not completing a year of membership, you could get some refund. Uh, and he was um, uh, he was not given the refund. My sources say he failed to replace his divots, Rosalind. <laughs> All right. Rosalind Helderman of the Washington Post. Has, is have you ever quit a gym membership or a record club? You never get that last month's money back. You never do. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is that somehow Trump seemed to get it in his mind that this was like a very serious dispute and that Mueller was angry about it. Our reporting, at least thus far, and let me tell you, we are trying to get to the bottom of the Gulf dispute. (laughs) Our reporting thus far is that there really wasn't much of a a dispute. There was a letter, one single letter of which Mueller requested the money. Uh, It wasn't returned, and that was that. Yeah, we're mostly joking. So uh, (laughs) would it be fair to characterize this whole thing as president wants to make a move that his advisors consider ill-advised and talks him out of it. I think that that's a fair a fair assessment of our understanding uh, of what happened. Um, I, I think the one thing I would add is that uh, his advisors didn't con- just consider this ill-advised. They considered this uh, presidency ending. Uh, we reported that Steve Bannon was actually raised in a meeting the idea that if Trump followed through with this idea, he believed it would trigger a 25th Amendment challenge to the presidency. Uh, that's the, amend- the amendment that would say uh, that um, his cabinet had decided he was mentally incapacitated and could not be president well, for that reason. I'm not sure I'm following. If if, if he could cook up um, or legitimately come to a conclusion that there was a conflict of interest, why would that trigger the 25th Amendment? Uh, well, you'd have to ask Steve Bannon exactly why he thought that that might happen. But I, I think it was based on his conversations with the cabinet at the time, uh, his feeling like the cabinet might cite this as a, as a among other things, potentially as a mm. reason of mental insanity. Uh, and so his own staff thought this was sort of a, a, an apocalyptic moment. Uh, and so they were doing things like asking other people to try to talk him out of it. And then, of course, this Don McGahn uh, issue of telling everyone that if uh, if the president followed through, he he would resign. And of course, the White House counsel resigning in protest, um, uh, you know, there's there shades of Watergate there. Of course, the Watergate White House counsel was John Dean, the, the man who famous said, famously said there was a cancer growing on the presidency. Uh, and so that would have been very difficult uh, for Trump to overcome. Oh, uh, yeah, I think it would have been a political firestorm. There's no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. And one of the issues at stake is Democrats in particular want uh, laws passed that presidents can't fire special counsels who are investigating them and and also, okay, it's interesting. So, um, do you have, does anybody have any guess as to when DeMuller is going to finally say it's wrapped up and release a report? Because that, that's what I'm waiting for. You know, we don't know that uh, that answer. Um, uh, Even a guess? Think- I mean, are we completely out in the in the wild on this one? So the legal experts would tell you that his desire to interview the president is a sign that it has gone maybe more rapidly than people might have predicted and that he is already uh, in, in, the, in, the end, in the end times of the probe. Um, but, you know, it's a little unclear when that's actually going to happen. And, and, you know, Mueller's team has been extraordinarily disciplined about uh, uh, not speaking publicly. And so, you know, what we have is kind of uh, information reflected through other people who have spoken to them. Uh, and no one really no one really knows the answer to that question. I mean, I would remind that this has been uh, not a very long time period. He was appointed only in May, so this is well short of a full year that he's been on this. And when you compare that to some of the special counsels and independent investigations of the president that have gone on in the past, the Star Probe, um, the Watergate Probe, um, you know, th- this is a very, very short 
uh, time period so far. Well, we're going to take your quote out of context. We are in the end times, says Rosalind Helderman of the Washington Post. Rosalind, a real pleasure. Thanks a million for the time once again. I hope we can do it again soon. Thank you for having me. Good to talk to you. Thanks. Yeah, you know, um, what the famously him- impetuous, easily butthurt president thought Mueller's going to go after all my finances. He's going to drag everything I've ever done out into the open. This is going to be a witch hunt. He already doesn't like me. He never filled his divots. I don't want him. And everybody around him said, you don't have any idea how crazy things would get if you fired the special counsel. Do not do it. I'm going to do it. If you do it, I'm quitting. What? And they talked the famously impetuous and easily butthurt president out of doing uh, something that would have been really, really dumb. To me, this is more a story about... You know, Trump growing into the office. I'm not sure it's a gigantic scandal. I wonder what he thought, what what his long-term plan was, because there would just be an appointing of a different person to run it, right? That wouldn't be the end of the investigation. Who would have to be, you know, 24-carat legit in virtually everybody's eyes. Otherwise, it would, again, be suicidal to his presidency. Right, so I don't see how that would help. And they would investigate the same stuff you just mentioned. Right. Well, maybe. Um, well, again, Trump was afraid they'd investigate everything from like the quality of the soaps in Trump's hotels to his tax return from 1977. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't the new guy do the same thing? Because it, it it probably isn't relevant to any Russia probe. Probably. Maybe. Sort of. Anyway, so I just, I don't think he thought it through and his advisors talked him out of it. Now that Bannon 25th Amendment stuff to me seems really Looney Tunes. I need more on that. I mean, why would... It was such a terrible decision that would be evidence that he's mentally unstable. Or is that like a desperate attempt to... Well, hell, the, the, the succession's dictated by the Constitution. So Pence is going to end up in there no matter what happens. I don't Trump's know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about a, a bad decisions I've almost made in my life. Mm-hmm. Where I thought, this is a really good idea. And for whatever reason, somebody talked me out of it. Or I woke up the next day and thought that's a bad idea. Do you get do you get dinged for things you almost did but didn't, or do you get credit for doing the right thing ultimately? Well, that's what I'm saying. It is interesting that he was that pissed off about Mueller's appointment, and he thought about firing him, which would have been disastrous. That's pretty interesting. But his aide said, you can't do that. He said, okay. A guy who won't listen to anybody. Yeah. Um, apparently listen to somebody. So I don't know. I don't know how this ends up. Is this obstruction of justice or what they're going to try to call it? We'll find out, I guess. How close did you come to getting the chindo? <laughs> What's coming up in your Google news, it. Marshall? <laughs> Trump's immigration reform plan getting blasted by all sides. We're going to get into that minutes from now. Armstrong and Getty. Yeah, I, I tell you. I realize we can't actually do this. But what I would like to do is what you've been talking about is just wait till Mueller comes out to report. Then I'll talk about it for a long time. Sure. It's going to be damned interesting. Right? No matter what. Legally speaking, all kinds of reasons. But I want to have a moment of meditation with everybody in the audience over this immigration story. We're going to come together. And Joe blasts the Grammy. Right. All coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Maybe we'll talk about this. 70% of cheaters say their extramarital relationships motivate them to stay physically fit. Well, there's the upside. 70%. I suppose you wouldn't just... You wouldn't just let yourself go, right? 
No, it, it rings true to me. Although a third apparently do. You got a new love. So you're, you know, you're working out a little bit. Putting the uniform back on. Sure. Uh, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, President Trump at Davos trumpeting the American economy's resurgence, telling the world America is open for business again. We've cut taxes. We've trimmed regulations. We are showing our, shoring up our borders. Do you know a uh, high school buddy of mine is there representing his country? Yeah. Turns out we had no idea. He was from some giant, super important, wealthy, powerful family in India. Really? Yeah. So he's there. Uh, Seemed like another American high school doofus like ourselves at wow. the time. But yeah, he's like a heavyweight now, which is interesting. Trump going on to say. To me, anyway. Part of the Bilderberg Group. Trump. Exactly. <laughs> Controlling the world. I wish I'd keep telling him, let me into the Bilderberg Group. He won't. Trump going on to tell the world leaders our immigration system has not kept pace with our other advancements. America is a cutting-edge economy, but our immigration system is stuck in the past. 100% correct. Oh, it's awful on every single level. Arguing that the immigration reform is essential for the U.S. and national security. We must replace our current system of extended family chain migration with a merit-based system of admissions that selects new arrivals based on their ability to contribute to our economy. That's Sounds like and, he has the jet lag going. Yeah. And, and as we pointed out yesterday, there's a Harvard poll out that says about 80% of the public agrees with those things he just mentioned. Yep. What? I heard that was racist. It's wow. not wow. even close to controversial. All right, here's our moment where we come together. This is your old Uncle Joe with a yes. little wisdom. You can either listen to it or I'll grab you by the ear and drag you outside and take the switch to you. Okay. <laughs> I want everybody to repeat after me, and I'm talking to you, open borders lunatics who don't understand how the world works. I'm talking to you, hardcore uh, anti-immigration types. I'm talking to everybody from the Black Lives Matter to the to, to the uh, to the white nationalists to freaking everybody. Repeat after me. There will be aspects of the immigration deal I will hate. There will be. There will also be aspects of it that people who completely disagree with me hate. We're all going to deal with it because we love our country. Amen. Talk about equal opportunity hating the ACLU. Everybody's going to hate. ACLU's already calling it hateful and xenophobic. Oh, what, shut what up. Trump just said? Yes. Wow. A- the ACLU, you, what has become of you? What has become of you? You used to guard constitutional rights. Now you're a bunch of open borders lunatics, a bunch of utopian dreamers. Wake up! And it's tr- about the Bill of Rights, you numbskulls. Not about millions of third-worlders flooding in willy-nilly. And Trump loyalists also lashing out against his DACA proposals. The president's most loyal media ally, Breitbart News, is attacking him again as Amnesty Dawn. Because of the DACA part. Because right? of the DACA part. Wow. Yeah. That, well, and that's how nothing ever gets done. And we just kept, keep letting millions in uh, illegally. So there's a front and, page story. And people who try to follow the rules, we punish them like they're that freaking gymnastics doctor. It's impossible to follow the rules. It's it's humiliating. It's expensive. It takes years. Maybe I'll get into the details later, but front page USA Today, the, the their big story, Florida's disposable workers. And it's about how mistreated illegals are in this country. If you get hurt or something like that, they say, sorry, you're fired. But shouldn't I get health care or something? Good luck with that. You're All right. illegal. All right. That's why companies run by the big Wall Street crowd like hiring illegals. You get to pay them less. You don't have to give them the same rights in health care. And you don't have HR. You have a sexual harassment claim. Good luck with that, illegals. 
So, how are you on the side of treating people that way? Well, there are utopians in California, I know, and actually, you know, Oregon, Washington, too, for that matter, who just want everything citizens have to be granted immediately to illegals, to anybody who's physically in the country, no matter whether they followed the law or not. They want full benefits of citizenship to every homo sapien who can sneak in. That's ridiculous. Human beings can't be illegal, Joe. Um, shut up. California Governor Jerry Brown gave his final State of the State address on Thursday. In it, he criticized President Trump's stance on climate change. He warned the world faces danger from threats as diverse as nuclear war and poison politics. And Brown once again championed his beloved crony train. (laughs) Touting the alleged high-speed rail project, insisting it's still going to be built even though the project's billions of dollars over budget. There are critics. There are lawsuits. Lots of them. And there are countless obstacles. But California was built on dreams and perseverance. And the Boulder Path is still our way forward. How how is an old-timey slow train the bold (laughs) path forward? Old man, the bison are gone. You can't ride it and shoot them. They're gone. They're dead. God, a choo-choo train is the bold path to the future. Uh, during his speech, the governor gives... Please, Mr. President, go to an airport, any airport. You can get anywhere to anywhere else for like $110, and it takes you an hour. Uh, during his speech, the governor gave you a glimpse of uh, the government mindset, saying massive cost overruns, well, are just really a part of the big project process. Like any big project, there are obstacles. There were for the Bay Area Rapid Transit System, for the Golden Gate Bridge, and the Panama Canal. I'll pass over in silence the time it took to build the the, uh, Bay Area Bridge. That was almost 20 years. And by the way, it was over budget by $6 billion on a $1 billion project. The slow, expensive train ride that no one will take is the future. And Brown ends all by saying, you know, the uh, bullet train, the crony train will still be cheaper than building more freeways and airports. I make no bones about it. I like trains. I like high-speed trains even better. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, this ain't one. There you go. Chase, you could, you could barely build it in the flattest, widest open part of the state. How the hell are you going to get that thing through the mountains? It's going to cost at least... Well, all right, forget it. I've said enough. That's wrapped. It's, it's a crime. It is literally a generational $100 billion crime perpetrated against the suckers of California. You think he believes it? I can't imagine anybody being so deluded they would think we need a $100 billion choo-choo train that may be ready in 20 years. It's insane. It's, it wouldn't be. By then, God knows what technology. <laughs> right. I mean, by by today's technologies, the idea is ludicrous. Right. Nobody would ride it if it opened today. Right. What, in 20 what, years? How we're going to be traveling around in 20 years is hard to imagine. Oh, my God. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. So we're going to get some Grammy music, Michael. I want to hear some music from the best yeah, albums out list, there. I'm going to start playing a bunch of songs. Okay, from the, uh, the uh, album of the year nominees. That's what I want to hear. Or uh, what are the records of the year, song of the year? I want to hear that. The dumbest wins and lo- losses in Grammy history. The Grammy famously old, out of touch, purely about commerce and... That's right. Even I'm saying it too white. Too white? Yeah. Even now? Used to be. Oh, gotcha. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Getty. The Voice of the West. Right. How many times a day do I say that? All the time. Here we go. Come on, kick it in. This is Elfin Bruno Mars with 24K Magic. He is the third most nominated Grammy artist for this Sunday night's Grammys behind Kendrick Lamar and Jay's. That's uh, pronounced Jay-Z. What? Jay-Z? Yes. Bruno Mars' songs are too nasty for me. They're very nasty. This uh, is also likely to win Song of the Year, according to USA Today. Record of the Year. I'm sorry, which is different than Song of the Year. Right. I'm rooting Completely for, different. I'm rooting for Despacito because my kids like that song. It's Record of the Year. Mm. But, Whatever uh, happened to the banjo? That's what I want to know. So the uh, I, I always like the Grammys for presentation. You get lots of different kinds of music and different musicians they put together as odd like uh, what do you call it collaborations? Yeah, Sting is going to get together with Shaggy. Is that right? Well, they released a new song. Oh, do we have that handy? Uh, give me yeah, give yeah, me like grab two it. seconds. I've got your worst ever Grammy decisions and controversies. If you like them. Or do you have more introductory comments, Jack? Um, I'm interested in this artist, Saza, just because I like saying her name. Saza! How's that spelled? S-Z-A. Saza! Mm. Is that the way you say it, Sean? Saza, uh, Siza, but yeah, you're close Siza. enough. Siza! Siza! Siza sisters. Yeah, didn't, huh? didn't need to say that. Okay. What? So for your album... Oh, sorry. That album was the new of the year song. is like winning best picture. It's the biggest one they give at the end of the night. Right. And you got your Bruno Mars, you got your Jay-Z, you got your Kendrick Lamar, you got your Lord. Up for that. So there you go. Just those four? I haven't. Is there another one? I haven't heard any of that stuff, though. By the way, mm. so yeah, I was looking through the uh, the various wins through the years, especially when I was a young hipster and musician and the rest of it. The Grammys were a joke um, because they just it was a bunch of old business people voting for the album of the year, the song of the year, and their, their choices were inexplicable. This was the choice. This, I mean, this was the case through the 60s when, like, Winchester Cathedral beat out I Want to Hold Your Hand if you're hip to the oldies. A uh, lot of examples like that. In 2001, the thoroughly mediocre uh, Steely Dan comeback album Two Against Nature beat Radiohead's Kid A and Eminem's The Marshall Mathers LP. For... Album of the Year, which is just ridiculous. Steely Dan won Album of the Year in For 2001? For against nature. Yeah. Really? A, uh, you know, fairly wow. rapidly forgotten. Well, uh, I didn't, didn't, even know, didn't even know it existed. And I like the Dan. I like the Dan. I'm going to keep it fairly current. Uh, there's still many people smarting from the... Winner for Best Dance Recording in 2001 of the Baja Men with their novelty hit, Who Let the Dogs Out? It won a Grammy? Daft Punk was up for uh, that uh, that uh, title. The Chemical Brothers, Fat Boy Slim, uh, shafted in favor of Who Let the Dogs Out? Woof, woof, woof. How would you, though, I mean, if you, if you wanted to do the best job you could, uh, you know, who would you gather together to vote? It'd be pretty hard. And you'd have an awful lot of people who'd say, what the F are you talking about? Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you'd come up with a good way to do it. Judging art and saying this is the best this or that yeah. is just kind of a crazy concept. Yeah, yes, you but, know what the best album was? The one you enjoyed the most. Right. 
Yeah, it, judging what's the best art is is ridiculous, but we can all agree that who let the dogs out is the worst art, right? <laughs> I enjoyed it thoroughly. Well, then you then you've got this, which is one of your one of your criteria for art, standing the test of time or popularity plays a role. Sure. And uh, if something is super super popular, is it by by definition good music then? If people like it so much, I don't know, people disagree on that, but... Ooh, sure, yeah, what what are your standards, what are your criteria, which, you know, theoretically, you have enough different people with enough criteria, you get somewhere near the truth, but best new artist has always been a great category. I think it was 1978 that the, or 77, the Starland vocal band famously beat out Boston, um, which is just a horror, and in 1979, Judy and I... We were expecting a, a child in, in in the '90s, actually, and we were gonna name uh, we were gonna name our child after the 1979 best new artist. It was not Declan McManus, Elvis Costello. He lost, but since we had a boy, we named him Declan anyway. The winner was A Taste of Honey, and we were gonna name our daughter A Taste of Honey. <laughs> Wow. After the 1970, <laughs> 1979 Best New Artist, A Taste of Honey. Yeah. What? I don't know what that is. Best New Artist, 1990, Millie Vanilli. Only one issue. Oh, my goodness. Only one issue. <laughs> they never made no songs. <laughs> but that was one of the great scams of all time, and you got to respect it on that uh, You know, level. it was a scam back then, but I bet you a lot of artists have done that since then. Fake the singing? Yeah. You know, maybe you're Britney Spears sometimes. Well, and and if you go into Pro Tools when you're recording the song and change all the pitches to be accurate, what's the difference between that and having a different person come in and sing it? Sure. Very little. Yeah. L- Lip syncing in, in live performances is in, is somewhat common, but uh, Millie, they didn't even sing like the record tracks, right? They, they're, they're just, just good-looking guys that could dance. Yeah. No, they're models. <laughs> okay. yeah, that's it. That's Which it. is fine, really. What the hell difference does it make? <laughs> a lot of old people's sentimentality through the years, like when Ray Charles... Uh, one for his D- Day Duets album, Genius Loves Company. And it's actually a really good album. There's some good songs on there. But he beat out uh, Kanye West's The College Dropout. Yeah, o- old-timers putting out yet another album often win. Uh, like Bob Dylan's had a couple of albums win a lot of Grammys late in his career. They're yeah. fine. They're good. but Sure. Yeah. Yeah, sentimentality. Yeah. Who could forget the album of the year in 08, Herbie Hancock's a tribute to Joni Mitchell, River, the Joni Letters, which uh, beat back or beat out Back to Black along with uh, uh, this is a, this is something else. That was Amy Winehouse's record, right? right? Yeah. yeah, Amy Winehouse's record, which is fantastic. Yeah, Christopher Cross beating out Pink Floyd, or album of the year in 1981, another horror. Um. Oh, actually, that was one of my favorite years to look at. Let me scroll up here. 81. Man, this is a long article. 81. But so what are you going to do? Not have an awards show? Yes. <laughs> Cancel it. I think so Christopher a- Cross won album of the year, beating out Billy Joel's Glass Houses, Pink Floyd's The Wall, which is one of the enduring works of art of the 20th century. Uh, not even nominated The Clash's London Calling. Tom Petty's Damn the Torpedoes. I've always liked the Grammys as a way to expose me to music that I otherwise wouldn't even be aware of. True enough. You know what? That's I what think, I get out of it. I think they ought to nominate twice as many, unlike the Oscars, 
And then just not give any any awards. Yeah, the hook is who won, who was the best. But it's a stupid, stupid well, hook. Of course it is. It's the stupid hook. The, and the musicians Get have to, to the hook. The musicians have to understand it more than anybody, especially when you get to be, like if you're doing best rap. Okay, at least it's a category. Mm-hmm. It's still stupid right. to judge one one song over another and saying that's the best. What does that even mean? Sure. But if you got all the categories mixed together, like best album. This one, this one is like slow uh, R and B. This is a country album. How do you determine what's the best between those two? It's it's just an odd. It's like which is better, this beagle or this chair? Right. Better at what? Boy, the beagle. Better to sit on. Better at barking. What? 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 <laughs> just better. What don't you understand? <laughs> you got Earl Scruggs up against Kanye West. His banjo better than his rapping? I, I, I don't know. Better at what? Right. Yeah, it's, it's dumb. An, it's an odd premise. Uh, luckily, museums don't do it that way over time. Time is the best test, right? Time. Oh, heavy. <laughs> um, did those people actually escape from Alcatraz? And how, what was the whole story on them getting out in the first place? I saw the movie, but I don't remember. Oh, it's crazy exciting. The the the, the cleverness, the the effort is amazing. Clint Eastwood plays a role. Is that right? You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.